Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AI for All podcast. I'm Ryan Chacon. With me is my co-host, Neil Sahoda, the AI advisor to the UN and founder of AI for Good. How are things going, Neil? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I hope everyone out there is uh, enjoying the summer or the winter, depending on what part of the world you're in. We also have Nikolai here, our producer. Hello. All right. Today's episode, a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. We're going to kind of dive into discussing breaking the barrier when it comes to chatbots, how generative AI can help propel the evolution of conversational interfaces. And to discuss this today, we have Raghu Ravanutala, the CEO and co-founder of Yellow AI. They are a conversational AI company focused on delivering autonomous experiences for customers and employees to accelerate enterprise growth. Perfect company to be talking to about this topic. Raghu, thanks for being on the podcast today. Oh, fantastic uh, being here, Ryan, uh, Neil and Nikolai. Uh, looking forward to a fun conversation. Absolutely. So to start things off, let me ask you to talk to us and our audience about comparing chatbots from the in the past to kind of where they are now and maybe talk a little bit about where they're going with everything going on in the AI space. More high level it for our audience to kind of set the stage. Thanks a lot uh, for, for that introduction, Ryan. And uh, to answer your question, maybe a little bit of context around Yellow AI as a company uh, itself, uh, a company that started in 2016, uh, primarily working towards automating customer support and experience uh, for enterprises. And we've been fortunate to see the entire wave of uh, chatbot evolution right from when Facebook Messenger uh, enabled chatbots on their platform in 2016 to where we are with uh, generative AI. We work with over 1,000 plus enterprises um, across several different countries across the world. Um, when, they, when the chatbots uh, by their name started in 2016, the uh, primary use case was around information retrieval or providing information back to the users. And uh, the primary mode of operation was uh, getting the basic keywords from what users were interacting with and fetching the right information and providing the answer back. And then the first level of uh, automation came in with uh, TensorFlow getting open source and uh, getting a bit of uh, uh, a bit of intents and entities and basic machine learning uh, I wouldn't say it's AI, but machine learning was the first technology that was used to um, kind of find the patterns in the way that users were interacting and getting the right, right answers for that. And over a period of time, the, the, the industry evolved and I think there were uh, smaller versions of what we called as large language models uh, with the release of Bird, etc. in 2018, 2019 that um, the large data sets that are available in the internet. Without the need for extensive training, you were able to identify intense entities. And uh, there was dialogue systems being built, not just to answer questions, but complete dialogues and transactions, be it uh, doing a transaction with a banking system, doing a transaction with airlines. And over this period of time, right from 2016 to 2019, 2020, uh, we have seen... Uh, a tremendous improvement in the completion rates, deflection rates, and this was resulting in direct ROI impact for our end customers. And over this 
time, the number of channels also expanded significantly, moving from Facebook Messenger to WhatsApp, websites, mobile apps. So chatbots were everywhere. They were delivering value, but they were still not uh, there to the promise uh, that was there when they were considered a universal digital assistant. And over the last two years, Generative AI has taken a leap forward, even before OpenAI announced uh, ChatGPT, uh, Generative AI was around in a smaller way. Uh, they, I think there were language models with uh, hugging face, etc. that you were able to get uh, reasonably high accuracy in terms of understanding, actually generating the answers as well, uh, where it completely reduced the training time, uh, improved the accuracy, improved the deflection rate, but with OpenAI's generative AI, what I think truly changed is the ability to generate human-like content and responses. I think that is the biggest difference we saw with OpenAI. What that enabled is that um, here, though, uh, the kind of interactions that were not possible to be automated earlier, um, empathetic responses, negotiating with the users, driving goal-based interaction. Uh, demonstrating human-like empathy, all these were uh, are now possible with uh, with generative AI and and, uh, and taking it forward. So uh, we are seeing improved conversion rates, improved satisfaction rates, um, and uh, much more longer conversations that uh, humans are having with the the latest large language models based uh, chatbots or voice assistants. So that's the that's the whole look that we have seen. So we are probably at the level four, level five, or level four, level five, kind of at that boundary of um, a chatbot response. It's interesting because, you know, you talk about like the ability for empathetic engagement, negotiation. Some of these things are actually they're not new to AI. Like artificial empathy has been around for eight, nine years. But it was always like everything was kind of piecemeal, right? Again. One API over here, another API over there. It was really allowed companies to string it together to provide this overall experience. I mean, do you feel now with chatbots, all the stuff is kind of coming bundled together, already self-integrated, so it's easier for businesses to use an employee? Is, is that the transformation you think has been going on? The transformation that's, uh, I think the enterprises are uh, now more ambitious than they were earlier. Uh, so I guess difference before Gen AI and now uh, seeing is chatbots and AI assistants were seen as supplements to human-based support um, where, you know, 70 to 80% of the interactions were handled by humans and the chatbots and AI assistants were supplementing them to take away some part of the load. Now, uh, enterprises are more ambitious. We are, uh, in fact, talking to our customers and looking at the future which we call it agentless customer experience, where uh, where companies are looking to uh, drive fully autonomous uh, customer support experiences, where a lot of the existing customer support personnel transformed into, uh, into AI managers, people who are managing the chatbot system or the AI system, rather than directly answering the calls. That is now possible just because the of conversations that now AI is able to handle, decision-making, 
empathetic responses, being negotiating. It should not possible or now certainly possible. That's awesome. A little weird tangent for me on this. I'm curious if you're working with any of the airline companies. As a guy who's been stranded, he's at the thunderstorm of their issues recently that you know thousands of flights cancel. Is that like a ripe opportunity right there? That's a, that's a absolutely a, a ripe opportunity. And uh, typically, these uh, situations have been uh, the triggers for a lot of companies to uh, to implement automation uh, because that hits them uh, uh, at at a time of where a number of consumers are calling them for responses. Uh, so so yeah, absolutely, we are we are seeing some of those, and hopefully, it'll help you. Hopefully, you don't get stuck in a uh, thunderstorm next time, but in case you get, uh, you'll probably get a, a resolution faster than uh, before. Let me ask you, you mentioned jobs. You mentioned the transition of if call centers are able to go to be fully autonomous, that those people that were handling um, the customer interaction will move more to AI management. Do you kind of envision that being something that would require probably a different skill set and different personnel entirely? Or is that something that the existing um, call center team members that were doing this that are now kind of being replaced by the chatbot would be able to be trained and move into that type of role? Since obviously when it comes to AI, there's always the question of, is AI going to take jobs? So this is a perfect example of taking a something that has been historically done with people and making it autonomous. What happens to those to those individuals? Is it just kind of are they going to find jobs elsewhere? Or do you think this is something they could adapt and become maybe more more in tune with the the technology and engineering side to be able to handle the AI pieces? The way that I see it, uh, what's happening out there is that uh, it's, it's no doubt that uh, these jobs are going to be uh, impacted. Uh, the number of people required for customer support uh, will drastically uh, come down. Uh, I'm sure. I think there are areas where companies will uh, will kind of position them and make better utilization of that workforce that they have. If you have seen a re- recent example, I believe a furniture company has created uh, their contact center agents to be more consultants rather than uh, support providers. Uh, so there will be a move towards uh, more. Uh, higher end uh, interactions that humans are going to handle. But for basic uh, regular customer support, you're going to see a tremendous amount of uh, movement of people um, uh, away from uh, from those roles. Um, talking about how these customer support agents are going to move to AI managers, I think there's going to be different skills needed. The skills are more like what you would think of as a contact center trainer or a manager, where they are coming up with how the brand needs to respond to customers, what is their style, what is the kind of uh, dialogue that they want to be having as their customers. So in, earlier, they were training um, the uh, contact center teams, but now they are going to train the AI agent. They're going to monitor, they, they were earlier monitoring people on their performance quality, now they have moved towards monitoring the AI systems, their quality, their performance, and managing, correcting the system on the go, which is a different task from just answering the phone call. So uh, there is definitely going to be change in the job description, what these people are going to do. But uh, my hope is that uh, with this entire change in 
technology, people can move on to more graded roles and more consulting-based roles to their customers and uh, support roles. But there's going to be a massive, massive shift and transformation, that's for sure. Do you think that, or I guess, let me ask you this way. What, what do you think really needs to happen to make this something that companies feel comfortable adopting? Um, or are there certain metrics or things that they can see throughout the testing phase in order to feel like this is something they can bring into their business and see good results with the engagement they're getting with customers? And the reason I ask is because like, for me, whenever I jump into a chatbot, the first thing I'm trying to do is talk to a human. Because uh, going through all the different questions and things to get to an answer feels less efficient than typing in the word human or people or whatever, just like talk to somebody so that I can communicate one-to-one with them. Um, What do you think companies are going to be looking for when it comes to the decision on how to decide when is the right time for their customer base as well as when is the technology ready for that experience, especially if they have a wide range of customers from you know different ages, demographics, languages, and things like that, what do you think they need to see in order to feel like this is something that I can bring into my business to start seeing real results, uh, both on the bottom line and just with customer experience? The reason why contact center and customer support are one of the initial or first areas that are to be uh, impacted by AI is the the this entire space is very uh, objective. Uh, so the way that the contact center performance is evaluated is, is very objective. You have first uh, uh, first time to response, uh, meet time to resolution, uh, customer satisfaction rates, net promoter score. And as long as, and of course, the cost of driving this, as long as these key parameters keep improving with uh, AI being a core provider of the service, companies will start to expand uh, and scale up on these uh, deployments. From what we have seen so far with our customers, our first time to response is unmatchable. Answers, whole times are completely eliminated. It's a big upshift. The second is the mean time to resolution. Especially if the task is well-defined and have the right integration. A human would take almost 20 to 30 minutes to go to multiple systems and resolve that query by doing a transaction. Let's say a reschedule of a flight ticket. Whereas software can get the resolution within a few minutes. So we're seeing uh, the trend up quite significantly there. Third is about uh, empathetic responses and customer satisfaction rate. There we have seen a divergence historically where information and transactional use cases where people wanted things done. The AI and chatbots are able to do them much faster and much more cleaner and we're seeing satisfaction rates much. Where we were seeing an issue was when uh, the user has a uh, complaint or an issue that needs to be emotionally handled, uh, chatbots can become really frustrating. And we have seen human agents do much better. But with the latest technology, we are seeing trends where now uh, the ability to pathetically respond and resolve and even make decisions. For example, you're not happy with some baggage fee. Uh, 
earlier it required a human to come in and provide an offer, uh, provide a solution to your problem. Now uh, the AI agents can in the budgets for the day and make real time decisions whether they need to uh, give a discount, they need to wave off, or they need to hold on to the baggage fee, for example. So now they are taking a little bit of more of those tasks. And the initial results uh, show that I think they have been effective. Uh, but still, in these use cases, the deployment at enterprises have to happen at scale. Information transactions is absolutely proven for a more emotional and empathetic needs. We are in the early stages of um, proving the efficacy of chatbots and AI system. The results are very promising right now. My belief is that in the next year or two, we'll see these use cases also deliver higher uh, improvement in metric uh, across these four parameters. So uh, that's how I look at it and that's how companies will look at it. No, I, I'm totally with you on that, Raghu. I think the trust factor is a lot better. And I don't know if that's just comfort and benchmark results, but I think you alluded to something that seems to be more of a barrier these days, which is scalability. That I think a lot of businesses look at this and say, if I have a new offering where I run frequent promotions, how much work do I have to do then to keep the AI updated to provide the quality of service? What, what, what do you think about that? What do you see on the scalability side? Companies need to invest uh, resources in keeping the AI updated. Uh, unlike traditional applications like mobile apps and websites, which could be static, the information that the company wants to convey to the customers and interact with the customers keep changing and keep metamorphosizing day in and day out. Let me take the example of your situation itself, Neil, when you probably got stuck in a flight. That's not starting information. So there was something that happened during those two, three days that resulted in your complaint or your uh, reach out to the company. And that information of what needs to be answered trained and provided back to the AI system. So uh, it's an imperative for companies like us to enable our customers and enterprises to have all the tools, all the management systems to keep the AI system updated, make changes and monitor and monitor the quality, monitor the quality of responses and keep on fine tuning that. But it also requires uh, them to invest resources uh, to or manage this. So the equation that the company looking at is, I'm going to take um, additional investment in buying this software and uh, dedicating certain set of people to manage this. Whether this investment uh, kind of justifies itself for the overall automation and cost reductions that I'm seeing um, from a regular contact center perspective. And that is the ROI calculations that companies are doing as they are evaluating this uh, technology. And I think we are right now converging on two uh, mega trends. One is uh, we are going to be in a high interest rate scenario for the next, you know, three, five, who knows? I mean, some people are predicting probably this decade as well, where um, I think the, uh, the, the indexing on efficiency is super high and that is that is coming together with where AI technology is available on its scale. So these forces are made for each other at some point of time where it is AI is like really helping 
enterprises address the number one problem that they and uh, I think companies will start to move fast in adopting this. It's a very really important point to say this is an investment. It's not static. Or you have to maintain it. You have to keep the teaching and everything up to date. But I think you also make a really powerful point around the inflation, right? Because it got me thinking about like wage inflation and how McDonald's is now replacing people that take your order the drive through with AI bots, right? And it's not just a cost savings mode. They've now seen, again, benchmark results, improved order accuracy and the ability to actually take more changes to like a, you know, your hamburger, chicken sandwich, whatever you're ordering and capture that appropriately. So there's a level of improved customer satisfaction they're also experiencing. We're seeing more and more of that uh, for sure. And um, another trend that we are seeing in line with what you're saying, Neil, is uh, historically the front office has been, uh, front office when I mean customer support, marketing, uh, sales, they've all been uh, siloed due to several reasons because of properties of people, uh, their different budgets, etc. And uh, with uh, more and more of AI systems, end user doesn't see the company as a different silo. They are talking to the brand. And uh, companies are seeing this opportunity of uh, using the AI frontend as a unifying force across the different silos of the front office of a company. Um, imagine going through a drive-through center where you're not just ordering, but you're probably resolving some of your uh, some of your concerns about um, takeaway or the delivery. So it's it's a unified interface that can support, but also can sell. So it not just becomes a cost center, but it can also become a profit center. Uh, so so we are seeing that trend happen as well. Do you see, or from your experience engaging with different types of co companies across different industries, certain industries more primed to adopt these uh, chatbots and, and technologies when it, with, with AI, or do you, or, or and are there others that maybe we may not be there yet for what you envision them really needing to see value? Yes, we we do see uh, certain industries adopting this technology faster. Uh, the key characteristics of a company or industry that is fast in adopting uh, automation in front office is one where they are spending a significantly high cost on customer interactions. There are uh, a very high number of uh, interactions that the contact centers are having with their customers, be it financial services, or retail, utilities, telecom. These are the number one. Second is um, a lot of these companies where their core services are reasonably commoditized, uh, where if you see banking, insurance, I mean, there are financial products that everyone provides. They differentiate with customer experience. Uh, so I think these are the companies that we see uh, uh, adopting faster. Third, where companies with reasonably lesser regulatory uh, regulatory impact or regulatory concerns to deal with. Uh, uh, so, uh, potentially pharma would be a little bit more hesitant towards it, whereas um, companies related to retail and you know financial services, um, I think they are more. Uh, uh, so, uh, so as as a summary of this, uh, the the companies that we are seeing with a significantly faster adoption is 
uh, retail, financial services, utilities, and telecom. What about the hospitality industry? Are you seeing anything there? Absolutely. So we have uh, some of the uh, large hospitality brands as uh, our customers. So we are seeing um, hospitality also take on, like let's say, airlines and uh, you know resorts, etc. Uh, so we see that we see that uh, the consideration there for hospitality is that uh, the while the customer service is something that they're looking to automate, still seeing that there is uh, a relationship building over long term for sales and etc. So where there is certain amount of um, human-based experience that they are prioritizing as well. Anywhere there's high touch, that's an opportunity. Let me give an example there uh, where it's a large uh, resort brand in the United States. Uh, this is the conundrum that a lot of hospitality uh, companies are facing is they have a, a single number for people to contact either for sales or customer support. Finally, what what they're seeing is that 80% of their human cost right now is going for customer support, whereas 20% is going for sale. And uh, they want to uh, actually change that, reverse or flip that equation where a lot of their human resources going consulting and providing the experience and, and you know, selling, which is in your creative and a lot of support to be uh, automated and, and and be transactions. So reduce the costs and apply the cost more on the revenue generation side and where a real human interaction can drive up uh, consulting sales and you know, the experience of the end customer. I wanted to ask you about kind of the behind the scenes piece of a lot of this. And I've, I've had some conversations external for this podcast about companies kind of focusing on building their own LLMs and kind of these more specialized LLMs for similar um, tooling for, for them internally as well as externally. But can you talk to our audience about what a specialized LLM is, kind of how that works, what that means in relation to kind of maybe how other people are thinking about LLMs more in the public space? So uh, you have these foundational models, uh, which are OpenAI, GPT-4, uh, Anthropic, uh, and Cohere, which are you know, train on this 170 billion or close to a trillion parameters that just have the entire learning of the university, uh, universal data on the language. Uh, there is uh, there are a few problems that come with directly using the uh, NLMs to drive conversation. Uh, one, uh, these NLMs are generic, are trained to provide data on all and sundry in the universe. Whereas enterprises want controlled uh, interaction with their end customers that is related to their products and service. Uh, so uh, control of uh, data and uh, APIs and transactions. Uh, the second is uh, they also need configurability. You don't, every brand has their own style and way of managing the interactions and they want to be able to configure precisely how these dialogues need to be managed. The third is about uh, security and uh, managing their own customers and data. Uh, again, uh, public LLMs, you're sending out data to these uh, external LLMs, et cetera, which is uh, causing a concern around uh, security and privacy. 
The fourth is um, they're only using them for uh, a narrow set of use cases. And the broad uh, LLMs are not as effective when dealing with this uh, core set of narrow use cases because they are optimized generally. So where specialized LLMs are coming in is taking uh, some of the uh, low-end versions or smaller versions of the really large language models, which are still large, let's say GPD, GPD, GPD 2.5, etc., and specifically training for enterprise-specific use cases. Uh, we recently launched a paper around how to manage and control uh, the data and systems that they are exposed to. So these uh, these models are fine-tuned. Uh, towards specific use cases, trained with specific uh, uh, specific data and systems, and they are managed within the SaaS ecosystem of companies like us. So we have taken some of these models, incorporated as part of our dialogue system, trained them with core enterprise data, and built tools to configure and manage um, how these uh, systems interact with their end users. Uh, and that is what is delivering value to the uh, enterprises where you are able to get insane smartness from the language models, but adding the capabilities of configurability, controllability, security, and, um, and, and them being deterministic in providing the enterprise uh, use cases and responses back to the customer. This is how we see the direction of how NLMs will be adapted for enterprise. You use the word deterministic. Um, this is something I find interesting because like previously, to get a person, like a human employee, to reliably, they have to sort of, you have to train them to follow a particular protocol. And when someone calls them for support, they may or may not follow the protocol strictly maybe they're tired maybe they're maybe they're frustrated with something but like with a with these chatbots with ai it's completely deterministic and sort of um people always want to feel like they want to feel like their problem is being solved they don't want to get a thought in their head that is the person on the other end of the line uh, really solving my problem? Are they actually invested? But I think that's probably part of the reason why the satisfaction's gone up is it's uh, entirely deterministic. Like the AI is doing exactly that and it's 100% focused on that. 100%. And uh, the other part is also that a lot of the human interactions earlier were not really digitized in the sense that you can't go back and check whether anyone is even following the protocol or not. Now with AI, all of these are digitized and you have the ability to go um, determine what is the right way of responding to the customer, look at outcomes and changing at a system level rather than the user or person level. So uh, customer support experience is more now managed systemically uh, rather than uh, on a person or process other things. So I think there's some interesting untapped value here, right? Because especially with the big brands, they have their own language and other things going on. But um, I probably can't say who it was, but a major hotel chain was actually looking at something 
to tap into audio data. This was late 2019. Don't get me started on audio data, big untapped data source that, you know, AI can exploit that we can't as much. But one of the things they were actually doing was thinking about how they can improve customer service. And they, they realized that they have some people out kind of in the field that are probably providing excellent customer service, but it's never really captured. And they were experimenting with a pilot to see, could they capture that, use AI, identify what some of those you know, best practice moments are? Like, what is this top performer doing to trigger the, you know, the top performance? Capture that, flag it, and see if you can make that a best practice that you can teach everyone, try and uplift your entire customer service experience. Because of COVID, you know, and hotels obviously shutting down, all those things, they kind of got, I think, lost in the shuffle. But given the work you're doing, like with, with Yellow AI and customer service, for certain industries, would that be, uh, you know, a future point of value? That could you not just, you know, do all these things and providing the service and the brand? But could this, you know, the interactions of these AI systems yield some better best practices? Absolutely. Uh, so let me take an example of uh, a beverage brand uh, that provided an AI assistance to end customers to create recipes for for tales and mocktails, etc. Uh, what the AI system was able to show to the brand back world, there's a certain section or geographies where the consumers were spicier cocktails and there was a, a region or segment of customers that, that preferred more sweeter cocktail. And this kind of provided feedback to their uh, brand on their marketing strategy, product strategy, um, on, on the right things to do that are super personalized for these networks. Historically, uh, the amount of data that's ex- exchanged in contact centers, there are about 400 billion calls right now made every single year. Very few insights to the brand on what they need to change from their product, from their marketing, from their segmentation. All that data was not available because these were all analog, uh, non-configured, unlabeled uh, data that was sitting out there. With AI, that entire uh, data is now labeled, managed, uh, and it's already starting to show signs where this can provide deep insights into uh, not just the consumer, but like how they can change their brand, positioning, marketing, their product line. Uh, which is highly invaluable for a lot of these companies, and we see we see those uh, we see that happening. Absolutely. One of the last things I want to ask you before we wrap up here is: as people are listening to this in the enterprise uh, commercial space and looking to explore adopting generative AI tools, LLMs into their business in some different way, anything, anytime, anything related to these. Um, AI solutions, how do you recommend they think through that adoption process? Because there are some situations, and this is again comes from conversations I've had external to this, about companies looking to maybe build their own versus adopt an existing solution. So how do you kind of advise companies to think about that decision when it comes to bringing these types of tools and solutions into their business 
to see the benefits across their enterprise for the, their internal or external reasons. Historically, when a technology is um, is introduced, um, and especially over the last one two decades, uh, there have been tools that enable companies to uh, build a initial set of uh, features, and that's where open source come into play, where Historically, companies have the ability to build applications on their own. Uh, companies had an ability to build or, you know, mobile apps, uh, systems on their own. Uh, and I think that's great initially while proving out the concepts and proving out the efficacy of the technology. But most of the time, the enterprises uh, end up uh, to use third-party or vendor-based solution for production deployment um, because the vendor uh, vendors, well, they are building, let's say, a, a focused solution towards entire customer support. Getting an interaction automated technologies, I'm sure you can you can kind of uh, uh, take out of the box, uh, open source, configure a little bit and manage it, but the entire workflow that needs to go along with it, be it about managing the conversation, driving alerts, the humans, uh, tools to the content, uh, fine-tuning the models, driving configurability. Uh, the, the enterprises by themselves either need to spend significant amounts of capital to develop that without the necessary impact or ROI in, uh, in, in, in the outcomes, whereas they could use... Uh, uh, a specialized vendor like Yellow AI in uh, who have already built all these systems, tested across uh, several set of enterprises, and pay a subscription cost and uh, derive the value because this is not the core of a lot of companies that uh, that uh, do as their core purpose. They are companies that are selling retail products, providing retail, providing banking services, focus on their core and. Um, this is something that they can use uh, off the shelf out of the market that best-in-class companies have built the entire infrastructure to solve a customer problem than just provide AI frameworks that can be configured, developed uh, uh, within the enterprise. That's how we see it. Uh, in the initial days, you'll always see uh, you know, uh, companies trying out things uh, till the market consolidates a little bit. But the end case is always about using the best-in-class solution. Neil, Nikolai, any last comments, questions before we wrap up? It's just been a great discussion. And I think Rugley has done a great job of showing the powerful value propositions that are associated with, well, using AI to, you know, help automate and run or manage customer service. It's been a fantastic discussion, Ryan, Neil, uh, and Nikolai. Uh, fantastic question. And uh, looking forward to meeting more in the future. Absolutely. Um, for audience who wants to learn more about what you have going on at Yellow AI or reach out, follow up, anything regarding this discussion, what's the best way they could do that? Best ways are um, website, uh, yellow.ai. And even better way is that you have an AI assistant out there. So uh, I think that's we eat our own dog food. So uh, website and our digital assistant out there are probably the best ways to get more Fantastic. Well, Raghu, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, excited to get this out to our audience and have you and the company kind of showcased out to 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 the world and what you have going on. Um, as we continue to build more new content, love to have you 
back and involved as much as possible to keep sharing that expertise to our audience. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great day ahead.